Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. In fact, it is the number one daily NFL podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, as always, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like any program on the network. All of your teams covered here. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Wow, the league did it, Matt. The new league year is actually going to begin Wednesday, and we're in official tampering period right now. The franchise tag deadline just ended before we hit record here, so we have all of the franchise tags in place. We know who the free agents will be. We're seeing tons of rumors come down in real time. We'll have a ton of that to get to as we get into the week, and official signings happen. There are a few signings that have been announced that we'll get to today, and the CBA ratified the players narrowly did Vote for the new collective bargaining agreement. So the NFL offseason is underway. It sure is. And we're recording this. I really need to preface it this time of year because we're recording this a little after noon Eastern on Monday. And five things might happen by the time this even goes live. I mean, it's just that time of year. The franchise tags came in hot and heavy. We knew that there was going to be a bevy of activity because I mean, frankly, the virus aside, this was a CBA situation where it took a little while until it got ratified. A lot of us thought it'd get done at the combine. Narrow vote, that caught me by surprise. I thought it would pass with more flying colors, but that's like yesterday's news at this point. I mean, we're going to have a 17-game season starting next year. We're going to have a seventh playoff team starting this year. The rosters are going to be a little bigger, and... Frankly, I feel like maybe next week when the calm you know, wears down, we should take a look at the CBA because the news now is all the player movement and signings. Yes, and that would be a great time to have Brad Spielberger from OverTheCap.com who is going yeah. to be joining us this offseason, and he'll have gone through that CBA, I think, a little bit more, and they'll have really good information, and we'll be able to talk about some of the contracts we're seeing and how the new CBA will affect things going forward. One thing that surprised me about the new collective bargaining agreement is – the current salary cap for 2020 is actually about $2 million less than most people projected. We're at $198 million, $198.2 million, I think, is what the new salary cap is. Some teams might have thought they were going to get a little extra wiggle room. That that did not happen. And in fact, it went the other way for this year. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming either. I mean, I had heard it might go up another $20 million even. And uh, again, I've heard a couple rumblings of this, but again, way over my pay grade and not my area of expertise, but I think it's something to do with the market crashing the last couple of days too. You know, our TV contract's going to be as big and all this is projection of how much money is going to enter the league. So right now is not the ideal time to do that, obviously. Yeah. And there's tons of minutia with it, which is why we need someone who's an expert on these types of things like Brad to join us on the show at some point this week or next week. And when we can really dig into this thing, but, you know, there's new bonus revenues and, and the revenue share and all these things factor into what the cap is going to look like. So uh, if the players get a bigger piece, then there's less left over after the players get those bonuses and things like that to go into the next year's cap. So, I mean, there's a ton of variables here. So we'll get into all of that stuff. And it would not be smart for me to continue talking about the the CBA because uh, you, you need a law degree practically to get into this thing. And uh, it's, it's way, way out of my element, aside from saying, OK, the new cap is 198.2. Let's go. Yeah, and I'm glad it got done, frankly. I mean, because now all this action can take place. Everyone knows the rules. And 
I mean, I don't want to bring up the, the coronavirus situation, but I'm glad there's a distraction now for all the sports fans out there that none of this got postponed. There's things to react to. Fans can be fans a little bit. That's a great point. And the NFL gets an opportunity because the league is not in season that they can do so many things remotely that they're going to let this thing play out. And so we have something to follow during the spring. Great for you and I here to have stuff to talk about. And the league sent out an official notice that the NFL draft will go on as scheduled April 23rd through the 25th. It just won't happen live in Las Vegas. So this is another way that the league is going to have to be a little bit innovative. We talked a little bit about this and now it looks like it's going to for sure happen unless something massively changes here. The draft is going to happen. It's going to be somewhat of a virtual draft, I think. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing gets broadcasted. But to be honest with you, it really affects you know the red carpet and the pageantry of what the draft is at location. But for a fan watching it on TV, as long as the NFL Network and ESPN and Mel and Todd are together over here and Rich Eisen is over here with the NFL Network crew and, and there's going to be some reporters that are somehow embedded with each team, whether it's remote or they're actually in a building and cordoned off in a room or or something and usually war rooms are, are typically Matt and you can attest to this war rooms are a quarantine anyway right so I don't think that much is even going to change for the actual NFL teams and uh, a cluster of decision makers that are in a room together right right for the teams it doesn't matter at all I mean in that you really I don't want to call them a gopher or a runner but you only have somebody at a couple people at the draft I mean the brain trust is at home and the, the building's basically on lockdown. Sure, there's media around and stuff, but they're behind closed doors. And, you know, it, it's just a tight group and every team's a little different of who's actually in the war room, who are the decision makers. But none of those people are on the road anyway during the draft. So the broadcast is going to happen. It's something that I think will be just as enjoyable, most likely to someone who loves the draft. And for me, to be honest, what happens on stage doesn't matter much at all. So uh, no. we'll see a draft pretty much like normal and they'll have a chance to be a little bit more innovative and who knows, they'll probably come up with some ideas this year because they're forced to some forced innovation that they'll continue to use for years. Even when the draft is back on location at Las Vegas or wherever it is. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And one of my complaints as a fan watching is if you pay attention to NFL network or ESPN leading up to the draft and certainly during the draft, you see like the same five highlights of Tua or Burrow or whoever, like, Show me a lot. You know, I want to see all kinds of different stuff, good, bad, ugly, and maybe they'll do more of those type of things for us, breakdowns. Matt, there's a ton of news to get to here. We'll talk about franchise Fun. tags. Uh, I want to start with the stuff that happened over the weekend since the last time we talked, and really the the whole frenzy of everything started to begin with a few franchise tags that were leaking out on Friday and throughout the weekend, but there was a big trade, which was the Baltimore Ravens getting a lot better and the Jaguars continuing to get a lot worse. One of their better players still, even at his advanced age for a football player in his 30s, Calais Campbell playing at a super high level, and the Ravens get to steal away a very good player for a fifth-round draft pick. As for the Jags, I mean, they're super cash draft. I mean, I've been hard on them, so they're the 32nd organization in the league. I still believe that, and they are totally rebuilding yet again. So you move on from Campbell, who's obviously up in age. That allows you to franchise an Dockway, who could then be a D Ford-like trade again and just keep adding picks. So it doesn't make you better, of course, and you added a fifth-round pick in the process. You get Campbell off the books. More importantly, though, for the Ravens, this is a really good football player, as you mentioned, and the Ravens have a great history. I mean, oh, by the way, he's Walter Payton Man of the Year, too. Like, he's a great locker room person, off-the-field guy, as well as a very versatile chess piece up front. 
but they've added Rod Woodson, Earl Tom. I mean, like they have a history of going and getting stud players late in their career that are strong locker room presence and winners and adding them to the equation. And this is adds to that list. But what's interesting to me is they, they franchise Judon and I assume they'll try to get something long-term with him. We'll see. I don't think that's a, a tag and trade situation, but I've heard that as well, but he's really their only good one-on-one pass rusher. And now they added another in a much different style that maybe they won't be as reliant on blitz to get home. And plus Campbell's really good against the run. I would think they could keep his snap count at a moderate level too, to try to get the most out of him. And then they extended him a year too. So that made their cap hit a little lesser and he should be a Raven next year. Not only does it help the Ravens, but I think the big winner here was Clyus Campbell himself going from a team that is in a very different trajectory right now than the Jaguars. So kind of a win-win in that situation. Good point. I mean, what a great place to end your career after kind of, you know, considering where you've been basically all the way up to this point. Okay, let's get to quarterback contracts coming up. There is a couple of big ones there. A few contracts starting to leak in. None of it can become official until the new league year begins Wednesday. We'll have it all broken down for you all week long, but some big early deals have been announced and franchise tags next. Wow, Matt. Uh, We're living in crazy times right now. Obviously, the quarantine situation is one thing, but imagine if I told you months ago that Ryan Tannehill, and it was a year to the day that he signed his new contract, that he was traded from Miami to the Titans. It was a fourth going to Miami. It was Tannehill and a sixth going back to Tennessee. That player, Ryan Tannehill, who was picked up off the scrap heap, would be a preferable player to the Tennessee Titans or any team around the NFL to sign a long-term deal with rather than bringing in the all-time great quarterback that is Tom Brady. I mean, you would call me a crazy person, right? I mean, that is amazing that we're here and teams like the 49ers officially and the Tennessee Titans officially have said, yeah, you know what? No thanks to Tom Brady. We're going to stick with these other quarterbacks. I mean, that's the world we're living in now. So the 43-year-old Tom Brady still looking for a team and we'll see who that team is going to be. But a massive deal for Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans planting their flag with their quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Brady is now down to new England or Tampa. Uh, The musical chairs are starting to fill up quickly, which we knew they would, but let's stick with Tannehill for a moment. I mean, trust me, I didn't foresee this coming, but I've been a fan. I've always thought that he got a raw end of the stick in Miami and some injuries and not that he was perfect there, but I didn't think you could get a great evaluation of him considering, you know, he was just a, a, a wide receiver, not that many years ago. And what he did this past year, albeit a small sample size, I mean, it, but I mean, it extended into the playoffs. I mean, he, he won a lot of games for this team and fits the system extremely well. This signing allowed them to franchise Henry. So you pretty much bring every, bring the band back, at least. It went pretty far in the playoffs. But a couple notes with him is really good athlete, a great skill set that he's starting to grow into. System helps him, no doubt, as it does for Cousins and a lot of these guys on this tier. Good, you know, probably a tier three, tier two type of guy. But a couple notes, awesome off play action, which fits extremely well. Really, really good in the red zone, which I don't know will keep up. Don't get me wrong. But just to give you an idea how good his his season was, he had the third best accuracy percentage in the league. And he was right at the top, though, of average depth of target, though. I mean, so 
like Drew Brees was really high on the accuracy. I think he was either first or second this year, but his average depth of target wasn't all that high. Tannehill's was, and he was third in accuracy. Like, so the combination of accuracy and depth downfield was unmatched this year. And it's amazing where you go for a quarterback, where you're drafted, what organization you get to, where that organization is personnel wise, what coaching staff you get to be coached by as a rookie NFL quarterback and for your first contract is so important. And it's amazing to see a guy like Tannehill who showed some flashes, had some bad seasons early on, had some good flashes, had some injuries, then goes to a very stable environment, a well-coached environment with some good players around him. And all of a sudden, just it's a slingshot effect, just takes off and is this player that you would hope he could have been all along in Miami, just couldn't get there. Now he has that chance to thrive. Right, right. And I kind of have similar hope for Mariota this year, too, you know, because I liked them coming out. Yeah. He went through coordinator after coordinator, injury after injury, spells of bad play that uh, I 100% agree. And this might apply to Haskins and Murray and, and everything applies to all of them. I mean, landing spot and situation almost is more important to me in determining if a quarterback's going to be a hit or not than the quarterback himself. We're seeing more and more things happening here Monday as the tampering gets going. Uh, one player who's sticking around with the, his current team and re-upping and look, I mean, is anybody better at negotiating contracts, betting on himself, maximizing his dollar values than Kirk Cousins? $33 million, Yeah, he's doing well. 66 over two years. He already played it perfectly for a fourth-round draft pick to get a nice mega deal, all guaranteed, and now he does it again, and... You have to bet on yourself. You have to be willing to play it up through free agency and potentially a franchise tag. Kirk Cousins doing pretty well for himself now gets paid once again near the top of the league, $33 million over the course of the next two years, actually going into 2021 and 2022 now with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, so he gets the extension. I'm sure some Viking fans are like, ah, oh, you know. But be careful what you wish for. I mean, this is another example like Tannehill, and we're going to see a lot of them, of this tier of quarterback being a good system fit, familiar, and is worth the money. I know it sounds unbelievable, and it is unbelievable. It's a huge amount of money, but that's the going rate. I mean, he's coming off his best year, in my opinion. Is he a superstar? Will he ever be a superstar? No, but I still think the arrow is pointing up, not you know blasting through the roof, but it's pointing up. He used to be a turnover machine early in his career. He isn't anymore. And I think the key here, and remember the draft, did he too? I mean, in the last eight drafts, they've only drafted one quarterback. So I kind of think it's an organizational thing that we're not going to take crapshoots in the draft. We're going to take the bird in the hand and the guy we know. And I think the most important factor here is, okay, $33 million a year for Kirk Cousins sounds like an awful lot. But we mentioned the cap earlier in the show. What if the cap goes up $20 million next year? It might even be more. I mean, I expect the cap to go crazy next year. And Mahomes signs for 40. And Dak signs for 30-something in the next week or two. And Watson signs a big deal. Like, you might look at Cousins much like you did three years ago when he signed his deal and thought, boy, that's crazy. And then by year two, you're like, eh, that's going right. Right. And in 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo signed his deal, which at the time was the yeah. richest contract in NFL history at about 27 mil per year. Now he's... I think eighth or ninth on the list of highest like paid quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. And like you mentioned next year, when the cap goes up again, which it could go up a lot uh, next year after this CBA has been ratified in, in this first year, 
And so we could see mega, mega contracts. And, and someone like Dak Prescott could try to go that route, play under the franchise tag this year, and make even more money if he plays this thing out. So maybe that's Prescott's th- thinking to being like, turning down $33 million. We're just talking about how great that was for Kirk Cousins to get. Dak is turning that down already with a $100 million guarantee. Uh, he could make even more next year if he plays it right, and he plays really well. So betting on yourself is the way to go at quarterback and playing it through the end of your contract and potentially a franchise tag. And uh, it's, it's a good, I mean, my son is 21 months old as of yesterday. <laughs> Being a quarterback wouldn't be a bad thing for him. <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't know if he's lefty no. or righty yet, but we're going to be working on that. And whether it's a, a left-handed reliever or a quarterback, um, yeah, if you have arm talent, that's a good thing for a young man. I always say, go the long snapper route. And nobody <laughs> wants to be a long yeah. snapper when they're 21 months old. But if you start him about three years old, even if he's as athletic as me, he's going to be good enough to get a scholarship somewhere. Different type of arm talent, but spirals on target between the leg. That is a great point, Matt. Uh, I like that Yo, one a lot. Don't aim so high. Just aim at the very attainable, you know? Yeah. Walk on a year, earn a scholarship, then who knows? Think about how far ahead of all of these washout tight ends and centers he'll be, guys that decided to start long snapping exactly. when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. He'll be doing it since he's three years old. That is fantastic. He'll snap that sucker back there with precision <laughs> accuracy, like a dart player. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? A brand new one just came down. We've got the Cleveland Browns are going to add a tight end. They've already got a tight end. They just drafted in the first round in David Njoku. They're going to add to that tight end room, signing Austin Hooper. This one just happened, just to give you guys some idea of where we are on this timeline. So my initial reaction was, boy, that's dumb. And I thought Hooper, along with Clowney, but I I thought Hooper was destined to be maybe the most overpaid free agent to be because it's a bad tight end class. Uh, Henry got franchised. He's the top of the litter, but he's not an exceptional player. He's good. He's not great. And I still think this is not the correct way to allocate your funds when you have Najoku, you know, use your money on offensive linemen. You just lost Kirksey. Schobert's probably going to go. You could use safety help. So this is not what I would have done. And I'm just reacting to it now because it just happened. But I think we have to realize that Vikings offense, they might have led the league in double tight end sets with Irv Smith and Rudolph. I mean, so that's a foundation of what their new coach wants to do. And now you got Hooper, Najoku, Landry, Odell catching passes from Baker. I mean, I don't think Baker's complaining about it. Real quick, I'm going to read off some other signings that happened recently, either today or in the last couple of days that are... Uh, impactful for free agency here. You give me your initial thought. If any of them stand out to you, we've got Anthony Costanzo, who's staying with the Colts, signed a new two-year contract. Ricky, The Packers signing two players. Offensive tackle Ricky Wagner slotting in at right tackle for them. They also signed uh, Christian Kirksey, the linebacker. And there's another one I'm Let's missing here. Let's stop there here. super okay, quick. I just sure. want to talk about the Packer move. I like those. Wagner went to Wisconsin. He kind of comes home. He stays in the division. And I think that's a real writing on the wall that Belaga won't be back. But I love moves like this. And trust me, this is very Steeler oriented. It's kind of how I learned about free agency is you can line up Wagner and Kirksey and play right now, but it doesn't preclude you from taking a superstar right tackle or linebacker. You know, the door's still open. It's a good, solid signing that you can live. It's an 
upgrade, maybe not at right tackle, but it's an upgrade to some degree. It's not crazy money. It doesn't hurt your comp picks. I love moves like this and sets you up to take the best player available in the draft. Okay, let's talk franchise tags. The tag deadline has come and gone next. Here we go, Matt. Franchise tags. And we can't get too deep into all of these. And a lot of tags were used. Some tags that we thought might come down have not, which could indicate teams are close to long-term deals with those players or happy to let them reach free agency. The big one is Dak Prescott. They could not get a long-term deal done. Dak will play under the $26.9 million franchise tag this year. And again, it's noonish on Monday. So I think they're going to be vehemently doing what they can to get him. I think they don't want Amari to go. I mean, they're test the market. And I'm not sure how they're going to be able to avoid that. But in the end, Dak, no shock here. It's a move you had to make. It's the exclusive one. And Dak can kind of sit back and holds the cards right now. Numerous edge rushers getting the tag. We talked about Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe, who got the tags Friday. And Ngakwe, i got to believe there's a tag and trade because it is non-exclusive. And if it's a non-exclusive tag, that means that teams can still talk to that player. They could work out a trade. There's also a transition tag hanging out there that we'll get to in a second. But Judon, Ngakwe, Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree, all getting the franchise tag as edge players. And they're all like the same level. I think Ngakwe is a little bit better. But Judon, Bud... Shaq, they're all tier two pass rushers. And I know Shaq Barrett just had a crazy year, but he was a backup before that. A good one. Um, but that's a going rate. Edge guys are super expensive. If they got on the open market, they'd get more more than that. Those teams can't afford to lose them. That's how the game's played. I mean, that's, that's the way it goes in this league. Yeah, Shaq Barrett's the interesting one because he was blocked in Denver for most of his career. Great signing by Tampa to get him in his 20 sacks last season. Now that you put the tag on him, a little over $16 million projected salary, which is less than he would make per year. So it's a great deal for Tampa to get that value for the next two years or for two years from Shaq Barrett. Then we'll see what happens next offseason where maybe Shaq, if he, if he proves he's still that guy, he can sign a long-term deal with Tampa or another team. So a great move yeah, by right. Tampa there and, and really a no-brainer. And we'll see where some of these other players end up. I think in the case of Bud Dupree, and it is definitely much different than, um, and Judon is, is different than Ngakwe. Ngakwe, I really see him moving on. I don't think the other two, the teams want to let those guys move on. The interesting one here for me with the Steelers, and since you're a Steelers guy and would know better than me, I, just from the outside looking in, I would think that someone like Javon Hargrave would be tougher to lose for Pittsburgh than Bud Dupree. Can you explain that one to me? It's just more of a snap count thing. I mean, they also cut Chicolo, who's their, their third outside linebacker. Bud's going to play every snap, give or take. Hargrave, to me, I, mean, I think Hargrave's going to make like 12 to 14 million. I think he's going to be very, very coveted. And it breaks my heart to see him leave because I think he's a great ascending player. But he only plays 35, 45% of the snaps. And Tuit and Hayward are just too valuable to take off the field. And they have Tyson and Lulu. I mean, they don't, there's not much base three, four anymore. So. Hargrave played great, and he keeps getting better, especially while two it was out. But you got to kind of pick and choose. And if they had more cap space, they'd bring him back. But he'd be a rotation guy, so it's just a snap count thing. Yeah, and I think a team will do well to sign Hargrave and, and maybe get him on the field a little bit more. That that's an, a very interesting player to me, and see where he lands. Uh, we've got more tags to talk about here. AJ Green, uh, no this, shock. 
Yeah, no shock here. This was expected. Yeah. Great for their young quarterback and Joe Burrow that they're most likely going to draft number one overall. And for Green, it's kind of a good scenario for him, not necessarily to stay with the Bengals. I would have loved to see him get free and play with another franchise. But coming off injury, he gets a basically a really high-level $18-plus million contract to play a one-year show-me deal and then next offseason probably make more money he would have made a long-term deal this offseason if he can prove he's healthy and play at that A.J. Green level. Yeah, and it's guaranteed, so not a bad deal at all. And I think the Bengals had to do that, build that nest for Burrow to land. Um, the last thing about it, though, and I've heard this is an original idea by me. I wish it was, but couldn't you see trade deadline rolls around and we're talking about AJ green to new Orleans or new England or, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And we kind of went through this last year. The Bengals seems like don't like making those trades, which makes it a little bit more difficult or might've been asking too much at the deadline because there were some rumors that green might've been traded this deadline and he might've actually played for whatever team he ended up with. Cause I think he was actually a lot more healthy uh, than his uh, than than letting on than the team was mm-hmm. letting on there because he was supposed to be ready to go starting at about week six last season. So we'll see who AJ Green is when he shows up week one. He might make himself a lot more money long term and potentially make that deal next year and help his quarterback develop in 2020. A big one with the Titans signing Ryan Tannehill long term. That means they had the franchise tag available for Derrick Henry. Yeah, and. I've been very anti putting money into running backs after first contract. So this is perfect to me. Run him into the ground. I would offer him a two-year deal, you know, this year and next year. But that's the the the, the biggest thing I could offer him right now. And it means Jack Conklin's going to hit free agency and people are salivating over him right now. Jets, Giants, you know. Another running back that's getting the transition tag is Kenyon Drake in Carolina. It's about an $8 million move, and I think that just shows that they wanted to keep him around, but they have a lot of money already tied up in David Johnson that they cannot move away from, so they tried to tag him at a level that they could handle financially at the running back position, but teams now still have an opportunity to try to sign him away, and then they could match it. I like Drake a lot, and he was really, really good for them. I also think that system provides a lot of open space, which Drake feed, you know, feeds off of and is good at. And it's just a lot right now to have invested in your running back room, as you mentioned. But there is a blurb out there that Houston might be interested in trading for David Johnson. I mean, they have the cap space to handle it. That surprises me a little bit. Did anybody be trading for David Johnson right uh, now? The but, team without a GM is the one that's trying to make that move. Yeah, if it tells you right. anything. <laughs> Win now team, right. Doesn't have any picks. Well, there was rumors that the Texans might be willing to listen to offers for their star wide receiver, which really blows me away, and it just doesn't make any sense at all. Same with me. I mean, unless it's the the conversation you and I have a lot of, if it's two first-round picks, then I'm listening. You know what I mean? Like, you better blow my doors off. Justin Simmons getting the tag at safety from the Denver Broncos. He'll play under about $11 million number, and most of these players could still sign a long-term contract, so this doesn't lock him in for that one year only, but it allows the team to continue talking contract with these players, potentially seek a sign-and-trade if they're non-exclusive tags. A couple of offensive linemen, Brandon Sheriff and Joe Thune, getting the franchise tags from Washington and New England, respectively. And then two here, one I love, one that makes no sense to me is Chris Jones from Kansas City getting the tag, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. And then Leonard Williams, who is just continually getting all of this. Gentleman love. Yeah, I've, I've heard sunk cost with in respect to Leonard Williams, the high draft pick, 
uh, all of this salary, uh, it, he's not played to the level that he's being treated, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, real quick, I don't rewind. The two safeties aren't brand-name guys in Minnesota and Denver, but they're both up-and-coming, worth it. And then there's rumors that Harrison Smith could be on the block just because you don't want that much tied up in your safety room, and they are, they're a little cash-trapped as well. But let's go back to Leonard Williams. And Chris Jones is an easy one. He's the easiest one of all of them, honestly, to me. It really feels like, boy, we invested a draft pick in Leonard Williams. Now it would look bad if we let him go. We liked them then. We couldn't get a long-term deal done. So we'll show him. And whether it's the best move for the team or not, we're just not going to look bad. Well, kind of makes you look bad. You know, like <laughs> uh, It's not a great football move. He's a really good player. He just doesn't affect the passing game enough to be worth the franchise tag. Right. He's just not at the level he's being treated because of pedigree right. and uh, just Gettleman. Get, whatever Gettleman's doing over there in New York, I, t- I tend to not be in lockstep with his mindset, but we'll see if it works out long term for the New York Giants and what they do with the fourth pick in the draft. But he tends to make every move I wouldn't over there. So uh, we'll see who, how that turns out for them. Those are the franchise tags. Did I miss anybody here? Uh, Hunter Henry? Uh, oh, Henry. We, we kind of mentioned him earlier in the show, but yeah. makes sense. I have no qualms with that one either. No. A lot of them this year, though. That makes a lot of sense. Brady to Tampa, or Brady to L.A., Brady to Tampa, Brady stays home, Las Vegas. Uh, the Brady thing is still out there. I thought we might have gotten some closure, but uh, and he's not going to be able to travel Maybe around and and be like the toast of the town in all these cities either. So uh, if tampering work was done previously, I don't know. Does this hinder a player like Brady's ability to move around just because it's not a normal offseason? I don't think a player like him, because it's not like, boy, do we want that personality in our locker room? Yes, you want that personality <laughs> in your locker room. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think he's got enough cachet. It doesn't make a difference. But maybe there's someone out there that had a questionable grade personality-wise coming out of school that you'd like to sit down and talk with and spend the day with. But uh, visits haven't been as big a deal anyway. I mean, people are just getting signed, and then they show up. What about... Everybody, everybody knows everybody. Right. What about the medical side of things and, and getting... yeah. Uh, or the virus a, side of things. Well, right, like, getting a physical, you probably want to make sure you don't sign a player that has severe coronavirus, right? Right, I was thinking that too. Like, you sign a dude, you stick him on a plane, which nobody wants to do right now, and, you know, they, they show up and he tests positive. I mean, do you say, sorry, we're going to rip your contract up? Like, how does that work? I wonder how many of these contracts that we're hearing about, there will be a stipulation for some later date to have this physical, and I wonder if some of them could be undone. I don't know. and Or do they even look at it like this is a deal breaker? I mean, or it's just such an unknown. Right. I don't know. You know, is that enough to say I'm not going to sign a great tier one free agent? Very interesting. A lot of questions that will probably be answered in the coming days and weeks, and we'll have it all broken down for you right here. Locked on NFL.